Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our Seventh Heaven podcast. Yeah, uh, today on Camden Cast, Cast, we'll be talking about Season 4, Episode 3 of Seventh Heaven, the title of which is Yaksada, or aka One Voice. So we tried to figure out what that means, and... I have not come up with a result that... D- I think for, like, anonymity purposes, they did this again. Like, well, we'll get into that. Right. Some fun facts about this episode. But in Germany, the episode is called Same Rights for All. And our IMDb user synopsis of this episode is, Annie and Lucy get involved in an organized protest about the treatment of women in Afghanistan. A young couple talks to Eric about sexual equality in their own marriage. Ruthie wants to play on the school's football team. So that was pretty short. And pretty oh, actually, yeah, that was pretty short. What it's pretty much what happens. Um, but you have a fun fact about this, I guess. Uh, right. So if we call it that. So seems like in season four so far, minus the first episode, uh, we've had seven seven taking uh, stances on certain issues. For example, men have feelings uh, in the last episode, which we completely agree with. And in this episode, we see um, some women's women's rights issues and equality issues coming up, um, specifically in the context of what was going on in Afghanistan at the time with the Taliban. So remember, I mean, I know now it is 2017, uh, but this episode aired in 1999. Uh, so this was even before uh, 9-11. This was before... Um, the U.S. invaded Afghanistan. So, um, piece of trivia for you. Because the storyline dealt with the then-topical um, mistreatment and oppression of women by the Taliban in Afghanistan, although it was written, written by one of the producers, Elizabeth Orange was a pseudonym used in fear of reprisals by terrorists over the blatant political anti-Taliban content of this episode. Um, which is kind of interesting in more ways than one because uh, it kind of makes me want to think about, like, if there are other instances of this happening, if other TV shows also handled, like, um, these kind of, like, political topics and they had to do the same thing, or if they didn't, and, like, Seventh Heaven was one of the first episodes, one of the first shows to do so. I mean, I feel like it probably was, though, like, pre-9-11, the fact that they did this. Right, I mean, and, it, and, like, yeah. it been two years before 9-11. Yeah, um... So I don't know. So I guess, but I think it's interesting that they really think like the Taliban was going to retaliate against Brenda Hampton. I mean, and if it was, you you would assume it was like one of the uh, normal writers. Right. So like. That, just using a pseudonym. So it's like not, if they, if like they really wanted to come after them, it wouldn't have been. Right. Exactly. That difficult to find them. But anyway. But it's a cool fact. Pseudonym used for uh, the. For the writer of this episode. Um, yeah, one of the writers, because I think the other writers are actually written as as are, so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, um, I guess, so what was your first impression of this episode? So, um, reading the synopsis, as I mentioned in the last episode, kind of made me wary of watching this one. Um, and also just generally, uh, uh, like, as we said, when we first started doing this podcast, the reason that I ended up getting into it was because Aaron would send me Snapchats of, um, really, like, funny or, like, things that she knew would get some sort of reaction out of me. And so I am used to seeing Snapchats of, like, me being annoyed by something that Lucy says or some sort of, like, comment made. So I was... 
thinking that this was going to get on my nerves, but it actually turned out to not be as offensive as I thought it was going to be. It was pretty tame. I think my one problem with this is what I've always had with any, like, issue-centric episodes, which is that when the issue takes place outside of the family, it kind of gets pushed into the background so the family issues are in the foreground. And I think if they wanted to do an episode about women's rights, uh, feminism, equality, etc., that they could do so without using the topic of the women in Afghanistan because it very much felt like it was an afterthought. And at times when we start discussing this, it I don't think that, you know, like, Annie keeps on seeing... Different women in the family. And outside the family. Yeah. Or it's just, like, connected Shauna, to the family. Yeah. Dressed in, uh, like, full burqas, um, like as some sort of, like, vision of what life could be like if yeah, they were. Yeah, like, how fortunate she is, right. like, to be living where but, she lives. And I get that that was, like, trying to bring the point home of, like, this could... It's just because it's happening far away doesn't mean it's not something to be concerned about. Uh, but I felt like it minimized it. But you've said this before, but I think that's the whole thing. Like, when you, when discussing this before, you said, like, well, the show is about the Camdens. Um, if they're just going to do, like issue episodes and not related back to the Camdens, then it's not really a, it's like a docu-series. It's right, not, right, it, right. It's not a, a, a drama or whatever it is. It's not I like a fictional drama. Point. The whole point is like, it's about this family and the way that they are interacting with issues in the world. And however it comes to them is like how we're going to see it because it's not, it comes because it's fiction. It, it's not like an objective uh, reporting of things. So... Um, but yeah, it wasn't. It didn't upset me as much as I thought it would. It was actually done very tastefully, I think. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start with the cold open. Yeah. Um, so we learned that it has been three weeks since the Rev has had a heart attack, and that he's back to work and he is waiting. So he's still doing counseling from the home because I don't know if this. They started doing this after the twins were born, and I guess we're just getting the idea that he's maybe because he's still sick, he doesn't want to go put in, or I don't know, because he ends up taking care of the, the twins, but, so this couple who are, like, engaged, they're getting married soon, are coming for their pre-marriage counseling. Yep. Um, uh, and he basically just tells him to, like, take it easy, right? Yeah, and he's like, oh, it'll be easy, they're getting married, what, they should love each other, whatever. Um, and Annie, we get the idea she's very stressed because, um, I don't know why this didn't come up in the last episode, but this, the, the car that Mary, like, was in when they got hit by the drunk drivers, they still haven't replaced it, so they're, like, down to the Meals on Wheels van and the minivan that they have. But I don't know why, like, um, I guess Annie needed the minivan and the Meals on Wheels van was unavailable this day because Annie is taking all of the kids to school. And then Matt runs up and is like, I need you to, because Matt is never at his own apartment, he's like, I need you to hem a skirt for Shauna because... Uh, she has an interview today, and then I need you to drop it off to her and find out what the interview is for because she won't tell me. Um, so Annie is overwhelmed. And this is also the first time in the episode where we see a timestamp. So throughout the episode, we were, I think Aaron like went about like writing a bunch of them down, but then realized yeah. that it wasn't like... It's not relevant to the, yeah. To the plot just yet. We'll explain what the timestamp means when we get to the end of the episode. But uh, basically throughout the episode, um, it'll be like 8.02 a.m., 7.08 p.m., 
1230, <laughs> so on and so forth, um, So to let, to let us know, like, where in the day we are. And also, the next day, it says, like, Thursday, uh, or Friday, I guess, because this is taking place on a Thursday. Um, yeah, so that is the cold open. Yeah, um, so we come back from the opening credits, and we get another gonna- timestamp, 9.27 a.m., but we are going to do Storyline by Storyline. Oh, yeah. Damn it. Okay, so the timestamps are irrelevant. Anyway, <laughs> um, so we're going to start with Simon. Right. We get Dina back. Oh, yeah. sh- I didn't pay attention to what she was wearing. <sighs> I don't think it was anything. It was nothing. I would have noticed yes. if it was something that was, like, you know, on like inconsistent oh, with her. Oh, you know what? No, we didn't. We missed. We we cut off the cold open too early. Um, she Annie is driving on her way to... I think Shauna's apartment, and um, and she sees this like protest. Yeah, uh, people are, like kind of picketing, um, and it's nine twenty seven a.m. and it's like all um, these signs that are like and gender apartheid in Afghanistan yeah. and like I don't um, and some of them are and, and a woman in a in a burqa uh, comes up to her to up, comes up to the car window and hands her like a, a little basically a flyer with like facts about what they were kind of protesting for. Um, Annie kind of reads it, and you can see from her face that she's moved. Shook. Yes. Oh. Yeah, she's shook. She's moved. Uh, and she drives off. Because um, we're assuming that this was like a stop at a red light or something. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the protest, and we see that one of the people holding the sign is Lucy Camden. Yep. Uh, she slowly, like, lowers yeah, it, and we see her face very slowly. So, so Lucy taking part in the protest. I'm sorry, that is the end. And of the I was like, open. well, and also, uh, it's explained later. But I was like, isn't she supposed to be at school? She's skipping school to <laughs> protest. I mean, um, anyway, what? Well, all right. <laughs> I guess you would do that. Yeah, I would. But, um, I feel like I have high school. The high school, you. I don't know. You'd get in trouble. I don't know. Well, anyway. Um. Uh, so Simon's so. storyline uh, is. Well, we see him talking to Dina, and they are coming out of what we gather is home ec class, which Simon took because it was Dina's idea because they didn't have any classes together, apparently, and this was the only class, like, he could elect to take, and then they'd get to see each other during the school day. He is not happy with how things are going because it turns out that uh, Simon is somewhat of a home ec savant in that he's very good at baking, um, and all the girls have kind of, like, welcomed him into their circle because I believe he's the only guy in home ec. And he's apparently like the best yeah. chef. And he says that he wants, so then we get this whole speech about wood because he's like, I want to transfer out of this. Into wood shop. And he ta- like gives this whole like kind of like soliloquy almost. About- he's like, men love wood. It's so important. He's like, looking at wood, the smell of freshly sanded wood, like, uh, like fit, yeah, he, lacquered, lacquered wood, yeah. you know, all the things you can do to wood, I don't know. Yeah, and then he's, he says, oh, and how wood could be, like, a, a, like thin, like a paper kite, or a kite paper, or, like, it could be a sturdy, like, Viking hull or something. And uh, so, yeah, he really loves He loves the wood. smell of wood. Um, and, like... But he also wants to let Dina know he's in touch with his female side. He does... And Dina calls him a freak, so... <laughs> well, well, about the wood. Well, not about <laughs> being in touch with, the, with his female yeah. side. So his dilemma um, kind of continues as he has a conversation with Lucy about, like, where he's at. Because he's like, I don't want to be one of the girls. So Lucy has kind of a... Actually, like, so far in this season, I don't think I've, like, been annoyed with Lucy at all. 
Yeah. Surprise. Uh, Lucy has a moment of wisdom where she's like, uh, I wear overalls and, um, like, I get all I dirty like, and stuff. Yeah, at Habitat for Humanity. Every weekend. That doesn't make me one of the guys. And, all right, this is a very, very strange scene. Yes. So uh, Simon is like, well, yeah, you're not one of the guys because, and then he pauses and he's like, because you're beautiful. And... Yeah. It, it was well, weird. We This, for some reason, is, like, played over again in Lucy's storyline, which we'll get to. Everybody notices how beautiful yeah. she looks. Um, and But Matt, I'm sorry, Simon also says something about, well, also, you're not good at it, which I thought was kind of, like, mean. And also, we don't know if Lucy is good, like, is good at it or not. Yeah. Like, she might be. Um, and he kind of, like, walks out because that was no help. He... Then goes to Annie, like, later on in the story, later on in the episode, and says, uh, I want to, like, transfer out. And Annie interprets it, interprets that as meaning that Simon doesn't, like, Simon's not doing well, so he thinks it's too hard, and that's why he wants to transfer out. So Annie's advice is... Like, life is hard sometimes, and harder than you think it'll be, and just, like, stick it out. And uh, Simon's like, not for me. Apparently, he's always good at everything. Yeah. Which, yeah, I guess he is. <laughs> so the next day, or the last day, or whatever day, in home, in home ec, Annie comes to the school, says he's spoken, she's spoken to the guidance counselor, and she's surprised to find out that he's doing really well, but, he under, like, but she understands that he doesn't want to do that because he loves wood so much. Which apparently is a widely known, like, she know, everyone knows this in the Camden house. Um, and so... He gets to transfer out. This is probably the one storyline I think we both had, like, issue with. Yes? Yeah, I guess. Um, Because it wasn't really addressed that, like, we don't really understand why Simon is so upset about being one of the girls. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that, I guess that's the, yeah, okay. Well, I don't get it. I don't have anything really to say about it. It was weird. He could have stayed in the class. Whatever, he was good at it. It would have been an easy... An easy A. a. Um, I don't know. And, 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 and I don't know. He's like... I know he's like with Dina, but like, isn't that like a thing? I feel like on another show, like this 13-year-old boy who's like doing great in home ec and all the girls like love him. Yeah, because he gets a phone call. In yeah. The, about like, one of the girls from his class calls him and doesn't know what ingredient to use and he's like cinnamon. And it's he knows. snickerdoodles, yeah. Um... So, I don't know. It was weird the way they did this. I don't understand why. Especially in an episode where they are, like, queer, queerly, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, um, like, ch- talking about gender roles and, like, how they're, like, non-existent, etc. And so why would then they have the storyline that kind of, like, goes and separates them again? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I didn't, I think, I thought it was out of place or the message it was, like, the ending message wasn't didn't mesh with the rest of the episode. Yeah. Uh, but a... It's not Simon's problem that he's the only guy right, in right. home ec. It's all of the other guys who didn't want to take exactly. home ec's problem. But they made it like... And, and the fact that Annie... I'm surprised that after all of this that Annie was like, oh, it's fine. Um, you can switch out. Yeah. Unless, like, Annie was, like, valuing the fact that Simon clearly doesn't have much to learn about baking. Oh. And she's like, I want you to learn something new, like, well, instead of just leaving him in the class. What he was. I don't. I, I don't, don't think that was it, though, yeah. either. But that, that's yeah. just, like, a different a mom thing to do. Like, 
So uh, we move on to uh, the youngest Camden kid, uh, Ruthie, uh, who actually is kind of, it's ma- she's matched up with Mary this time around, which we, well, this pairing we haven't seen yeah. a lot, so. And it's because Ruthie is playing sports, so of course they had to put her with the, I don't know, the sports inclined, the athletic member of the family. Which is Mary. Um, so like we said, for some reason the Camdens are down to one car, and Mary really Wants to get. I'm not sure if we're supposed to think that Mary knew beforehand. She did. So oh, okay. So what we so what we know is the entire family thinks that Ruthie is playing soccer. Right. But Mary, Mary and Ruthie are the only ones that know that Ruthie isn't playing soccer. And I think the reason that Mary's so gung ho about oh I'll pick Ruthie up from practice or I'll take the car or I'll do this is because they're trying to keep up the charade of oh she's playing soccer when she's really playing football. Yeah. Um, so Mary goes and picks her up. Um, um, apparently, well, like, Ruthie wears her uniform out to the car to show Mary, and apparently she, Mary says she looks downright frosty, which I guess is a compliment. Well, uh, because Ruthie asked, do I look cool? So in response, she looks oh, frosty. Oh, I get it now. Isn't that such a great joke? Not really. <laughs> I didn't get it. Yeah. I, uh, so, um. She's called, and uh, Ruthie's called The Hammer. Yeah. Um, and while Ruthie goes to, like, put her uniform away and get changed to come out again, um, Mary sees the flyers that Annie left behind in the minivan. These are the, um, and the gender apartheid in Afghanistan flyers. And she's kind of now moved by what's happening, what's, like, what she's reading as well. So slowly we're seeing all of the Camden women. Engage yes, with. Uh, this cause. Yeah. So I think um, the this basically wraps up with Ruthie, uh, with like Annie dropping Ruthie off to school the next day, and Annie giving her advice about like practice. And clearly, her advice is very much not soccer, but football. She's like tight end ball loaf something football. <laughs> yeah. Like and, and well, Ruth- before before this, we get a scene with Mary and Lucy, oh. where Mary explains like. Oh, I have to tell you something, but you can't tell anyone else. Ruthie is playing football. She's really, really good at it. Mom wouldn't, but it's a contact sport, and she wouldn't want, like, she doesn't want Ruthie getting hurt. But, like, you know, all we need is to get her to the first game, and then once Mom and Dad see how good she is, uh, they won't care that, like, she's been lying because they'll see, like, she's really got a talent for playing football. So... Mary says that Ruthie has swiveling hips. Yes. Uh... So the next day, Annie is dropping her off, and she gives this advice about, uh, like, you know, holding the ball like a loaf of bread or not holding the ball like a loaf of bread. I don't know. Um, And Ruthie is like, oh, you knew, or whatever, and then they wink at each other or something. They basically say, let's not tell Mary that I know, and... Mess with her. (laughs) Yeah, mess with her. So later on, when Mary's there in the Meals on Wheels van to pick Ruthie up, we see Ruthie has a black eye. Yeah, so uh, I guess she got tackled, and Mary's freaking out because she's like, how am I supposed to hide this, or like, how are they supposed to believe that this is a soccer injury? But we both were like, very easily? <laughs> like, any number of things could have happened in soccer to cause that, like, injury to occur to her face? Yeah. Um, and they end up, do we want to talk about how this ends? Um, yeah, so, well... We can... Or do we want to wait? We'll wrap this up at another point. Yeah, okay. Uh, So let's go to the next family member. And Shauna's storyline. So 
like we said in the cold open, Matt is like suspicious of Shauna's uh, interview, and he's like, "What are you doing?" So he goes over to. Do we want to talk about um, Annie at this at her place first, or no? I guess yeah. So we said that Annie, uh, Matt asked Annie to hem the skirt for Shauna. So Annie goes over and is hemming the skirt and everything. Um, and I mean, this is kind of she. Shona doesn't tell anything. She, she tell Annie anything. She tries to find out, um, but as I guess Annie had gone grocery shopping before she went over there, and as she's leaving, she's like, "Oh, Shona, can you just grab the milk I put in your fridge for me?" And Which is contrary to what the Camdens usually do, because you always tell me the Camdens leave their milk out. Well, I mean, usually they like. Well, I mean, when they're at home and all the kids are drinking it, they just put it on the counter. Annie's probably responsible enough. Um, <laughs> And when Shona comes back, Annie has her first vision, because this is right after she saw, like, the women protesting. She has her first vision of, like, someone close to the Camden family in the full burqa. And she, like, every time that this happens, she, like, pauses for a moment, and she's, like, kind of staring blankly at the person she's looking at. And they're always like, are you okay? Um, I I mean, uh... It's, so that's about it. Yeah. That's a, so then later on in the day, whenever Shona's supposed to have her interview, Matt goes over there and he's like, oh, I wanted to see if you needed, needed a, ride. a ride. And she's like, you just came to check up on my interview, which is apparently at her house. Um, and this is when we hear a male, uh, male voice in the background in the apartment. And he's like, what kind of interview are you having at your house? And Shauna says, just remember that I haven't seen him for 20 years, so be nice. And immediately we know. It's her father. So Shauna's father. I just want to say quickly, because you said this the first time when um, the Heather's wedding episodes or whatever, when Shauna's like, and I had this abusive past, and she she just exposed, like, we learn nothing about, like, every all the other interactions with her are just, like, kind of, like, standing next to Matt. And then when we learn stuff about her, it's like... All, all at once, right. like it all just comes out, and it's like, wow, we just learned more about you in like thirty seconds than we did in every other appearance in the show beforehand. And she says something like, "She's like, even though my dad abandoned my family for twenty years, and then she goes on about like all of the wrongs he's done." Um, and they're like trying to reconnect in this. Uh, so Matt's like a little bit suspicious, especially because it seems that um, the main reason for the reconnection is that he is going to be in some way helping her financially get through school so she can go to med school. Now, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I thought, is this the first time we're hearing about Shauna wanting to go to med school? Um, or has this been established already? No, that hasn't been established already. Um, and I think that's just like, a, like whatever. They, if they didn't know what they were going to do, what, how Shauna and Matt's future was going to end up, they were just setting that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Um, he yeah so she, he yeah he's skeptical skeptical as you said and she's kind of she gives him a speech about how like you can't have false hope that hope is hope no matter what right yeah and um uh, so Matt does some like Camden work and he goes to the Rev and he's like do you still like snoop for people and the Rev is like I snoop for God <laughs> um so anyway he's like I just need you to find out some stuff about Shauna's father. Fast forward to Sergeant Michaels calls the house. Right. Because apparently this is all, like this isn't, I just wrote this was like a misuse, again, misuse of police resources. Is this information like protected? Um, Well, like even if it is like public record, 
the, the police sergeant shouldn't be on duty doing errands for the reverend. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we find out that... He's a mogul. Yeah, some sort of, like, computer mogul, which means he's hella rich now. Yeah, because for some because Matt thought that um, he might want money from Shauna, and the Rev is like, that doesn't really make sense. College students aren't known for their bank accounts. Uh, so Matt, like, reports back with the information that he found out from the Rev to Shauna, and they kind of are, like, cautiously hopeful now. Like, he seems to have money, he seems to be doing well in his life, and, like... And, like, he reached out to her, I think we are supposed to... Yeah. So, um... So maybe everything will be okay. Also, just a little check-in, we learned from the Rev that Shauna's brother is doing great in treatment for his problem. Whatever, the, the unnamed problem that we still don't know what, his what it is. abuse problem, well, or related problem. violence problem. Tendencies, yeah. Anger. So, uh, anyway... It, um, it ends with... Because Matt's storyline is really Shauna's storyline. It ends with Shauna, uh, her father coming over and saying, I think it would be better for your character for me to not help you. Yeah. Basically, he's saying, I didn't have any help when I went through college, like, financially. So, and that, and it made me the man I am today. So, if I gave you money now, you would not be a good person. Which is bullshit. Uh, Yeah, it's going to hurt you in the long run. And Shauna kind of... Um, I mean, I think this is rightfully so because, like, she hadn't seen her father in, like, 20 years. And what did he think? I mean, she's, like, a college student. And, like, not that, like, oh, Shauna's going to, like, be a gold digger or, like, just be like, oh, good thing my father's back in my life so I can get money. But he's like, we can be friends. And she's like, but you're my father? And, like, this is, like, why did you reach out to me? Um, like, we can't be, we were never friends, we can't be friends, like, you... You were never a father to me, so, like, if you're not gonna, like, act like one now, then, like, get out, please. Yeah, and she's like, you didn't pay child support for 20, like, for 20 years, you didn't do anything, you completely, like, abandoned us, like, why are you thinking that we're gonna have any type of relationship now? I thought for once you would be doing, like, something that a father does do, but apparently that's not what you want, and then, so he's out of her life again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she asserts, she's like, oh, mom worked her, you know, again, like the female strength thing. She's like, I haven't needed your help and I don't need it now. And I don't worry. I learned from like my mother who had to work for everything she got. So like I had a positive, even though you weren't around, I know how to do things. Like I know how to get by because I had a positive mother role model thing so and also that like he had specifically said nobody helped me get through college and when she's like mom worked you through college yeah. so um so that's really matt's storyline um i think we said we were gonna do the, the rev, rev. Yeah. yeah so um we uh aaron mentioned earlier in the cold open that he his first real like back after the heart attack job is this marriage count like this pre-marriage counseling so uh, in true seventh heaven fashion, because everything ties together, um, the guy in this relationship is had, has some very old fashioned views of what marriage is, what a husband's role is, slash a man's role is, versus what a wife and a woman's role is. So we get the idea of this because okay, so the couple's Ryan and Jessica, mm-hmm. and because Annie gets caught up. Uh, hemming the skirt for Shauna, she was supposed to be home before the Rev was doing this counseling session, 
but she's not. So the Rev is uh, at to home. To take care of the kids. Yeah. So the Rev is at home, and, and the twins are sitting in on this session, and the Rev is like, okay, like, Annie should be home any minute. And then the phone rings anyway, but Ryan is like, oh, well, my, my father, wait, my mother would have never left the babies alone with my father. So we get the first inkling before, like, they even really start speaking that, like, this guy's like the woman should be taking care of the babies. I don't know what you're doing here. And the Rev then turns to Jessica, and he's like, well, what do you think? And before Jessica can even answer, Ryan kind of, like, steps forward for her. goes, well, Jessica's parents divorced at an early age, but even so. Well, he's like, in our... Well, we've already discussed it, and we are going to have a traditional splitting of the responsibilities in the marriage, and that Jessica will be responsible for cooking and cleaning, laundry and child care, and I will work and make money. Uh, and decide when we're going to have kids. And, and Oh, and what to spend the money, money on. on. Yeah. So, and the uh, Rev is, like, very much taken aback by this. Because Jessica actually is like does not seem to be allowed to speak. Uh, and every time he goes to, like, speak to her, uh, Ryan speaks instead. And, the Rev, and the Rev, like, Ryan seems to think that this was, like, part of the Reverend's teachings and, like, the classes that he took. About yeah, he's like, we'll do it the way that you and Annie do it. And the Rev was like, we just, whoever is available to do what needs to be done... That's how we do it, so... He's like, things are, like, on their head right now because of my recent heart attack, but, like, usually... Yeah. It's not... There's no, like, divide in roles or anything. And suddenly, Ryan... And Jessica, because Jessica does whatever Ryan wants her to, is, like, kind of disgusted by the Rev and his lifestyle. Uh, And this is when Annie comes home. So when Annie's like, hello, Ryan's like, we're leaving. Yeah. Um, And Jessica doesn't even say goodbye, and they just... She she doesn't say a word in no. the entire scene, so she leaves. Uh, they all, they both leave, and the rest of the day slash evening is spent with the Rev kind of worrying about Jessica and worrying about her relationship with Ryan. He doesn't want to be their minister at the wedding. He doesn't think that they should get married in the first place. He is disturbed by this arrangement or the fact that I don't know. Uh, Ryan seems to be like controlling, so. Uh, he, he's just going on about this and then he calls, we get the idea because the next day, it's the next day, Ryan and Jessica arrive at the door because the Rev, we find out, called Jessica and wanted to speak to her alone, but because Ryan is Ryan, is Ryan, uh, he comes with her and she's like, oh, you don't, he's, uh, wait, I had it written down, uh, the... He says that you have a problem with the way I show my love for Jessica, but Jessica doesn't. Uh, and they decide that they don't want the Rev to be the minister and that they're going to look elsewhere for somebody to marry them. Um, and everything seems to be great because now the Rev doesn't need to worry about this. Although he's still like, worried Jessica about. can't marry Ryan. Um, so luckily, the the Mog, the mother of the groom. I was like, that, what the fuck are you saying? Uh, the mother of the groom. Um, if you want to be cool, Mog. Shows uh, up. Her name is Betty. Um, Betty basically seems to be... So we learn what we learn from Betty is that Ryan learns his demeanor and his attitude towards women and towards marriage from his father. Um, his father didn't let Betty do anything, so much so that Betty is now divorcing him. And she wishes that she could have divorced him earlier but didn't want to leave Ryan. But she realizes that... She has said, like, reinforced the idea for Ryan that, like, this kind of abusive relationship is, like, okay. So that's why he is going to, like, continue the cycle. 
So she wants the Rev to speak to Jessica and think uh, to make Jessica change her mind because she doesn't think that it's a good idea that Ryan and Jessica get married. So somehow, well, she call she calls. I know, but I don't understand how the so they call Jessica and Betty is like. Ryan wants you to come over to the Reverend's house right now and don't call him to ask him for permission because he's got that meeting today. And I was like, oh. So this, like, Jessica's like, okay, this sounds legit. Uh, and Jess- she- Jessica shows up, but, like, apparently she's already made up her mind and she's decided that she doesn't want to marry Ryan. Yeah, but, like, she find- she had to get away from him to be able to tell anyone to, I, I presume that, you know, there would be p- bad consequences if she spoke out against him uh, in his presence. So Ryan shows up the next day and he's like fuming um, and he's like, she wants to call the wedding off, but I can't let her call the wedding off because then we'd be embarrassed in front of our family and friends. She just needs to like be okay with everything. And the Rev's like, come inside, let us discuss how you were wrong about everything ever. Yeah. And then there's no other resolution to this. I guess we can presume that the wedding was called off because Jet, like, no one's going to force Jessica to stand there and get married. And I hope that, like, well, even if the Rev wasn't going to do it or they got another reverend, like, no one can force Jessica to go. Right, no. And get married. But it also seems like Ryan's, like, world is turned upside down because he's now learned about his parents' divorce. And he's like, nobody's stopping my mother. Oh, yeah, that too. Like, well, I... I yeah. He has such weird views. I mean, I guess this, these aren't weird because I feel like a lot of people also. A lot of people also, do, yeah. But um, like, I, what is what should his father do to keep like other than like all I can imagine is like someone should violently force like threaten his mother's life to keep him in this marriage. Like that's his what, what he would prefer to happen. Um, but yeah, so the basic point of the storyline again kind of meshes with the rest of the episode about like equality and the fact that like there are no roles for men and there are no roles for women in all aspects of life, including marriage, and that you just do what you do, yeah, whatever that might be. Um, and that's really it for the rev. Do what you need to. That's the. <laughs> and I guess um, we're gonna end with Annie and Lucy because they have the most. Intersecting storyline. So as we mentioned in the cold open, Lucy's at the protest. And now Annie is constantly seeing... Like, she goes to talk to Mary and Lucy at some point, and they turn around, and she sees them both in the burqa, and she's like, does the thing that she did with Shauna, kind of looks off into space, and then they're like, are you all right? Um, And she asks them, she goes up to Mary and Lucy's room, and she asks them if they had heard about what's going on in Afghanistan, and, like, Mary's like... I heard about that on the news like a year ago that's still going on, um, which I think is was good. I don't know. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that is a kind of the way when there are like human rights violations right, going right. on somewhere, the way that like people in the United States tend to. It's like I heard about that, but like it was important. You know, it might be newsworthy for like a week in the United States and then it's like falls by the wayside. Right. Coney 2012. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, good on Seventh Heaven, realizing that. I don't know, the fleeting nature of uh, this all. <laughs> of life. Of um, life. And we then, the camera kind of closes, close. Gives a close-up of Lucy, and yes. she's kind of like, yeah, I've heard about it. And Annie's like, we should do something about it. And Lucy's like, we should. And <laughs> no, I think it's Mary. She's like, no, well, yeah. well, Annie's like, oh, well, what do you think or whatever. And, like, Mary's just like, well, someone should do something about it. And then that's it. That's, like, the end of the scene. Um, and this, her, like, 
preoccupation with this continues because she brings the flyer home. And, and she shows the rev. And they and this is, I think, what like um, the most informative part of the episode is uh, because they're reading the flyer and it's a bunch of facts about how women are treated under uh, the Taliban regi- regime in Afghanistan. So it's a lot of information that um, I'm sure everyone has heard of um, when, you know, this was the focus uh, after 9-11, but basically about how girls are not allowed to go to school, um, women are not allowed to be seen in public without uh, a man, um, they aren't allowed to laugh, they aren't allowed to make noise. It's just, you know, blatant human rights violations and uh, blatant Ill- inequality. Um, and Annie says, I don't know whether to be grateful for what I have or to be horrified by the conditions over there. And the Rev has a great answer, and he's like, well, both. Yeah. Don't do one or the other, just be both. Um, Annie, I think this really ends with Annie showing up at the protest and seeing Lucy. Yeah, she, uh, and she goes up to her, and I don't know. Lucy, well, because like I said, it was 927 the first time we saw her there, and we learned that Lucy has gotten permission from a teacher or something to, I wasn't really listening to, on it her was free a cheap, period. Yeah. She was a free period and somehow she is getting some sort of credit or something for being like, she's allowed I to leave I think she's school. just allowed to leave and go to the protest. I don't think she's getting anything for it. It's just her free period and she's allowed to leave. Yeah. And because it's like a good cause. So, uh, Lucy, uh, Annie stays with Lucy and they start marching around and that's when, um, Mary shows up with Ruthie. Uh, this is, remember, when Ruthie... Has the black eye. Yes. And um, Ruthie, like, Mary's like, oh, my God, soccer injury. And Annie... <laughs> they and, do a, a horrible wink at yeah. each other. And um, Ruthie and Annie basically tell Mary that it's fine, like, we know that it's football. And Mary's, like, initially, like, are you going to force her to stop? And Ruthie said, no, I already... We already figured out that Mom's not going to have an issue with it. And... Then Mary said she's going to drive Ruthie back home and come back for the protest. But Ruthie's like, no, I want to know what's going on. So so she says, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, and so they all decide to march, and that's like kind of their, I don't know, they're all taking taking action and being a part of the... the the movement. The movement, yeah. Um, and we see them kind of, uh, we see them protesting outside of, I think what is presumed to be the district court. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Oh, okay. It's a district, so I'm assuming district oh, court right. or something like that. Um, and there's like a news camera. Right. And um, this is the first time I've noticed, uh, Aaron, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that there's a use of a cell phone. Annie has a cell phone in this episode. Yeah, but the, I feel like, I don't know if it's, again, that might be like a thing. It might not be consistent. They, like she might have it in this episode and then like in two no, episodes be like, but how am I going to get in touch with them? Mm-hmm. So... Um, and Annie, and this and this kind of leads to the end of the the storyline for the guys as well, because this is all the girls, all the Camden women. Um, Annie calls home and says they're going to stay out for a while, um, and they'll, they'll be home later. So the Rev, the twins, Simon and Matt, are all together, and they're deciding to help cook dinner. Uh, there is kind of a comedic scene here where Simon first says, "I can't actually cook; I can only bake." But then they just tried to cook cake. Uh, cook kitchen, kitchen, cook chicken. chicken, and they're like, "Oh, Matt, you pound the chicken or whatever," and but he's Matt. literally just punching it with his hand. And just one punch. That's just it. One punch, and then he's throwing it at Simon. Um, 
Yeah, whatever. Haha, so funny. The men can't cook. So then, uh, Annie, Annie, later on, it's 11.07 or 8 p.m. at night at the Camden House, Mm -hmm. Saturday night, next day at church, and the Rev tells Annie, like, to give the sermon or something because he's, like, lazy from the heart attack. Um, Because she has a lot to say. Yeah, because she, like, had such an enlightening week. Um, So the next, the final scene that we have is Annie... Addressing the church um, about what is happening in Afghanistan. So it starts out with, like, your voice being heard inside the church, but she says your voices also need to be heard on the sidewalks and outside of the church. And this is when she talks about, like, specifically at the protest. And um, then we actually figure out what the timestamp is all about. So over... Well, she's speaking, but it's over these photos of women in Afghanistan and she's talking it's like she's speaking but also on the screen it says like every second of every day every minute of every day every minute of every day in Afghanistan so what they're trying to say is that this is what like this is what life is like over here for the women here in America like every minute is like something new or whatever and but every minute for them is or like they were doing whatever they want like yeah, you yeah. know and I guess we'd have to go back and watch if the timestamps are only in scenes where women are in I think it was yes. it was mostly when Annie was on screen yeah. so like she was like you know doing all of these different things going to the store hemming the skirt for Shauna like she could leave and do whatever she wanted um, so that was the uh, whole deal with the timestamps right and so and then you see that uh, as Aaron said it's uh how oppressed they are over there. And it ends with... Um, like an awareness, basically, like, go to this website if you want to learn more or, like, donate... To this campaign. To the campaign. I think it's called the Feminist Majority is what the campaign was. Yes. be interesting to see um, what their website or what their causes are now. The website was feminist.org. Yes, yeah, so um, Which sure. I feel like is probably something else now. Uh, or it might be the same thing, but it might have different causes now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, okay, so, I don't know, go to feminist.org, tell us what you find. I'm trying to go to it now, but it's not working. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that is the end of the episode, but um, what are you going to rate it? Uh, I'm going to give it, like, a th- oh, it is still the Feminist Majority Foundation, mm. equality around the world, so it seems like just yes. like a human rights uh, organization, so anywhere... In the world, that it seems like probably where women are being oppressed. Uh, I don't think they're doing like Everywhere. garden variety uh, human rights. <laughs> if that's so, um, anyway, uh, I'm gonna give it a three out of seven because I, I didn't like the thing with Simon and I didn't understand it, what they were trying to do there. And uh, I mean, I think the rest was fine, but. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, three to seven. How how are, how would how do you feel? Um, I think I will give it a three point five. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a three point five. I think. Um, I don't know. I think the one problem with this episode is I think what every problem, what like every episode. You said it already. Is, yeah, that that the. No, I think it's what you oh. always say, which is. Not everybody needed to have a storyline. I think if right. they did, like, 
I think I no, get, Ruthie's was okay. I think, and I think, I think they did good with Mary not having anything really, and that like Lucy really didn't have anything either. It was like mostly Annie and Lucy, and I think Shauna was good there. But I didn't think. I guess the Rev needed what he needed, but Simon Simon's storyline was didn't need to be there. You could t- t- definitely tell that like Matt played like a supporting role. Yeah, it was. I don't think. I, so. I guess yeah. Simon didn't need to have uh, his own storyline, especially in. Uh, if anything, they should have given like Dina the storyline where she's like getting bullied in Woodshop, and like Simon has to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, she should assert herself. Simon shouldn't have to do anything. Yeah. He should just be supportive. Right. Because um, that's because if they wanted to make it all about like the women. And and like you said, like Lucy and Mary didn't really have their own storylines in this episode that is supposed to be about women, and maybe they could have given them something more than just like right uh, so, some adversity of their own. Um, I think that was I think I think that's like Seventh Heaven's problem overall is their allocation of storyline and time is not done well. Also. I just saw this quote that I'd written oh, down yeah, yeah, yeah. that I forgot to say before. But when Ryan comes to tell the Rev that he's, like, so embarrassed because he's not getting married anymore, um, he was like, a wife is a man's servant, just like a man is God's servant. And the Rev is like, so men take commands from God, and men, women take commands from men. <laughs> like, and Ryan's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was ridiculous. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's a wrap on Yak Sada. Whatever that means. A.K.A. One Voice. Um, Check out uh, what we decide to show you um, (laughs) on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's Camden Cast or at Camden Cast Show. Uh, Camden Cast for Facebook at Camden Cast Show for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, We will be posting um, screenshots of this episode. Stuff that happened. Yep. Um, and we'll catch you if you want to catch us next Wednesday our next episode um, you can rate subscribe review all the things on iTunes or Apple Podcasts uh, and uh, we are also on SoundCloud soundcloud.com backslash Camdencast where you can uh, follow and like us there as well yes as well as you can download episodes so that even if you don't have internet or an iPhone, you could download it to whatever kind of device you have. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's uh, that's all for now. Uh, I'm Erin. I'm Tanvi, and this is Camden Cast. 